0: to the badass podcast, the Batman the animated series show podcast where we talk about Batman the animated series and in this case Batman Beyond. My name is Clay McCormick and with me as always is Sean Murphy. How you doing, Sean?
1: Hey man, that's uh some people won't know this but that was your third take. It was the third uh, take.
0: <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't
1: want you to leave the bloopers in.
0: No, it was that's that's if they were tighter it would be more interesting but it was not. It was a lot of me trying to remember how to do this cuz it's been a while since we've done it. Yeah, why why
1: has it been so long exactly? I mean, we haven't released the first episode yet, so you know, no one right. will notice that it's been
0: a few months but Uh it's mainly yeah, it's mainly because October is basically the busiest month of my year where I have stuff to do literally every week and every weekend. So uh yeah. and you know, it's New York Comic Con is that month, so everybody's all over the place. So I think uh now that we're moving into holiday season, it should be a lot easier.
1: <laughs> yeah, man.
0: Um definitely
1: but uh i should be done with my batman beyond in uh december mid middle of december so i'm really looking forward to being finished so i can finally take a vacation i was Uh, thinking about pretty exhausted
0: oh i i bet yeah uh it's basically (laughs) been what five straight years of of batman
1: yeah yeah with breaks and every time i try to get trying to um you know create a schedule that's more relaxed and normal where i can have time off and all that it just always goes away you know as much (laughs) as i try to uh add it i just can't do it so my wife this time she's like "Can you start doing zorro we're gonna look at your schedule together i'm gonna remind you that you're gonna probably take a few sick days you're gonna need this you're gonna need that blah 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 vacation travel whatever so hopefully with her help i'll be able to get a handle on it
0: nice nice i was just i was thinking the other day i was like man we've only we've only done at this point we'd only done the first two episodes of batman beyond you're going to be done with your book it's like is the drive to do more batman podcasts just going to disappear because it's like well you know (laughs) well we're kind of on to other things for a while at least (laughs) but i mean we kept it going through plot holes so i can't imagine why would stop now
1: yeah no I'm good but I did think of that too when I'm putting it on I'm like man I don't know what else I have to say about Batman Beyond considering (laughs) I'm about to wrap up and we're just starting season two um but if we're gonna keep going we're gonna be doing Justice League and all
0: that stuff eventually so we can we can keep going yeah yeah (laughs) but uh for now today we're doing two episodes from season two of Batman Beyond we are doing Joyride and Lost Soul so we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back with Joyride
1: I'm telling you, Scab, it was a UFO. Who cares? We got something more important to do. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we do, don't we? <laughs> you know why the jokers come all the way out here to do our initiations? So no one can hear you scream.
0: <laughs> okay, Joyride, written by Stan Berkowitz, directed by Butch Lukic, Lukich. Jeez, it's been four years and I still can't pronounce this guy's name. Um, and in this one, a groper... Uh, grope, Jesus, I'm bad at this. It's been too too long. Groper? A groper wow, of, that sounds more interesting. A groper joker. No, a group of jokers steals a prototype military vehicle and goes... You know, and it's not like I haven't been doing this on other shows. Like, yeah, I've still been doing... Yeah, podcasting
1: with other people.
0: Yeah, it's just, you know, Batman yeah. requires a certain uh, language yeah. that you have to wrap your, with wrap our, your face With
1: our relationship, Clay, I allow you to go, you know, philander with other podcasts. So <laughs> it's not like you've stepped away completely from this. <laughs>
0: A group of Jokers steals a prototype military vehicle and goes on a rampage of destruction while Batman and the vehicle's designer try to recover the machine before its malfunctioning reactor goes critical and causes a nuclear explosion that would destroy the city. Mm. Um, so first thing that's fun, interesting to, to, to note about this one is I believe Bruce Wayne only has one line in this mm. episode, which is he says, so, yeah. so stop them. Uh, the right. trivia says Bruce's one line is the shortest that Kevin Conroy has recorded for a single episode in the whole DCAU. And that kind of brings me to mm. something that I, I, I felt about uh, this episode definitely, but actually both of them together, and I'm wondering if this is sort of a trend in this show. Yeah. Um, I feel like this show is definitely skewing more towards action. Like, there's Compared mm. to Batman the Animated Series the amount of dialogue in this show is like way down. It's a lot of just kind of Terry or just act like this whole episode is basically a one big action scene. And like, I was, I was kind of wondering if we were going to have much to say about it because there's not really a ton of story here and it's, it is all action. Right. Um, right.
1: I have, you know, for me, the beginning part where they're going to do Joker initiation, that got me excited. And then they go to a cave, and in the cave is a skeleton of what looks like Joker's dead body. Right, yeah. Uh, and then uh, instead of going down that path and showing an awesomest episode of, of torturing this kid to become a Joker, they do a right turn, and suddenly they're chasing down a military vehicle. Yes. And uh, yeah, they steal I was a spaceship. so bummed out. Like, I want to know about that skeleton, man.
0: Yeah, that was that was the most interesting part of the episode, is seeing the skeleton with the <laughs> with the flower on and you know the implications yeah. you can draw from it.
1: Yeah, like, you think it's probably not really Joker's uh, uh, body. It's just a body they dressed up, or maybe it is. I don't know. I mean, you could take it in a bunch of different directions, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was... Uh, I, I'm not quite as interested in the Joker gang steals a yeah. military vehicle and then just kind of does a bunch yeah. of mischief. I don't know. It, like, it's it's not... The, uh, I, I, I didn't find it particularly fun. Like, I feel like in... in yeah. uh, in the animated series, this would be, they've had episodes like this. Whether it's, I guess, Roxy Rocket is kind of like this, or even when uh, yeah. Harley Harley and Ivy go on a rampage and stuff. There's like a there's more fun to it, but this one was pretty straightforward. Just uh, yeah. Batman has to stop the the stolen vehicle before it explodes. Yeah.
1: You know, the the subplot, if you can call it that, is a new Joker recruit going through initiation. And he sort of brought along this adventure of the Joker gang, you know, using this uh, machine to blow up a bunch of shit. Um, by the end of it, uh, Terry is pinned by the lead Joker. And this new recruit guy knocks him out to help Batman, basically. And all right. So you can tell he's disenfranchised at becoming a Joker. I get it. It's super quick. But why not lean more into that? You know, I mean, if you went the route of explaining that awesome Joker skeleton, you could have really made that character something better you know what i mean and really uh had a much better subplot than what we had but yeah i think the show it's the suits probably came and they were like no just make it give us as much action as you can that's what kids like if you want to throw a subplot in you got to make it super quick but we don't want to (laughs) dwell we don't want episodes where it's like uh Batman's helping a little girl from her uh dad who won't leave them alone because of restraining order. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like the classic ones that I like. See no evil.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like they said, Listen, we don't want you to spend time dwelling on the dead body of possibly the Joker and they were like, Okay, we'll do what you want. And then a couple of years later, like, we're gonna do an entire two hour movie just about the Joker's dead body and you're gonna fucking hate it. <laughs> And prove that that's yeah. a better story to go to, to explore. Right.
1: You know, the other interesting part of this that, uh, show, the question that it poses is these kids think that what they're seeing might be a UFO, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes the question, in the future, when everyone has flying cars and there's all kinds of weird shit floating around in the sky, will
0: UFO sightings go away completely? Probably, yeah. I mean, I can't, <laughs> I can't imagine why you would in a world of flying cars why you would look into the sky and see something flying and be confused about what it might be which <laughs> like, which honestly if you're an alien is better for you because then you can just yeah. blend in and you don't have to worry about any fucking you uh air force guy blowing your cover
1: that's true just blend in with the traffic be like what is that It's a triangle shape in the sky it's like yeah, that's my dad coming home from work, probably.
0: <laughs> no one's going to notice until a UFO blows a red light and causes a collision, and then they're like, wait, why does this little gray guy not have insurance?
1: <laughs> or he's parked way too long in the handicapped spot, and someone comes by, and he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yes,
0: no no human would take that many turns to back out of a parking space.
1: Clearly, this UFO, is from, what person is a UFO, because they should be taking a ride on red,
0: and they're not. Yes. They're for, they're either a UFO or from any other state aside from Massachusetts or New Hampshire. Is that yeah, how that works? Is right on red only a New England thing? I never remember.
1: It is a, a national thing. It is oh, okay. It's the, it's the greatest thing that the U.S. Uh, road system has contributed. A <laughs> right on red is illegal in most other countries, but it's a pure American invention, and it's amazing.
0: I now I know this is riveting Batman podcasting and you can it, it goes to show how much there is to talk about this episode but I, for some reason I thought you couldn't do it in New York. So in New York City
1: I don't think you're okay. allowed to All the right, city that limits. Makes sense. Yeah. Um that you're talking to a guy that doesn't even get his car inspected so <laughs> I'm probably wrong.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh yeah, so this one yeah, I don't know. It, it's fine. Um it's uh there's there's not really much there honestly it's uh yeah even even the 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 exploding um vehicle thing isn't really that interesting because they don't really follow up on that until the last couple minutes of the episode um and so you don't really get the sense because they they don't even tell you what is going on so there's no real sense of it being like a ticking clock it's just like they they right. send in the two the two uh pilot guys send in the uh the stats and they're like, "Well, it's at 280." And she's like, "280. Get out of there." <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Why? Why do we have to get out of here? We don't have time to tell you what's going on. Just get out of there. If I was going to eject out of a probably billion dollar aircraft, I w- <laughs> I would at least like to I would at least like to know why.
1: Right. Yeah, like in uh, Tom Cruise Maverick, I'm pretty sure they give him an explanation before he has to get out of there. Right. Right. At the beginning. And uh yeah, why not just say at the beginning, get out, it's going to explode. And they're like, "Oh yeah. shit." And then they park it and the engine seems fine and then they get it gets stolen and hijacked and turned on again. Why not do that?
0: Yeah, I don't know why they keep that like a secret for most of the episode. It doesn't really it doesn't right. really add anything by keeping it a secret. It actually takes away from it because now yeah. you have the jokers tool if you knew what was going on the jokers are tooling around in a spaceship or whatever that you know is Mm -hmm. is gonna blow up so i don't know right yeah or make the girl evil and she refuses batman's help
1: and she refuses to take responsibility and admit what it is and her efforts to take it down are thwarted but they don't work and he has to save it maybe he takes the ship down while taking the military down too like you could have had a lot more action that way you know Who's right. fighting the military? Who are trying to keep things under cover? But he's exposing it, by attacking it, or something. But yeah, like any of those ideas are more interesting than what they did.
0: Or you could just get really weird with it, and he's like, "What is so important about this ship? Why do you have to save it?" And she's like, "That ship is my husband." <laughs>
1: that kind of gets us into the next episode. Yeah, a little bit.
0: Yeah, hijacked <laughs> um, by intelligence. I, I mean I guess I I don't want to pad it if we don't have anything else to say about the episode. Do you what would you draw? Yeah, just, what would you draw in this one? Uh, draw a new script. Oh, um, the one thing I did want to mention is the T gang. I don't know yeah, any where did about they come the, from. I don't know cuz they look at they look like um uh Mr. Terrific uh who's a DC character who has well the the modern version of him anyway has that like T makeup look on his face. Yeah. But right. I don't think they are connected to that in any any meaningful no. way.
1: You know, with the red on their face, to me, they looked like the Azrael gang that I drew into my book. Oh, yeah, a little thought, bit, Man, yeah. If I, if I ever had... You know what? That will be my answer. <laughs> I had to re- I would redraw them all as Azraels <laughs> and make this part of my universe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which would make no sense in
1: this universe at all, but whatever.
0: No, but it would add some interesting backstory about why is there a gang based on this character oh, we never yeah, heard of before.
1: You're right. Yeah, that's a good idea. Thank you for pointing out how clever that was, Clay. Yeah,
0: no problem. Uh I well, I mean actually if that if the impetus for Batman quitting and Batman beyond was getting his back broken by Bane, that would be uh mm. and then Asriel took over afterward. That man, there's so much there there was I feel like there's kind of a lot of stuff left on the table there. Where if you had I mean it makes things too complicated, but like if if yeah. the setup if Azrael did exist in this universe, and had taken over for Batman when his back got broken, now there's someone else out there who had been Batman for a while instead of, in addition yeah. to Terry, and you can kind of like tell that story at some point if you wanted to, but obviously they didn't do that. Yeah, but.
1: yeah, I think Asriel is a great. I, you can do so much with Azrael as a character. I don't think that uh, mainstream comics ever really. Mm-hmm. Uh, used everything they could on him
0: you yeah know? yeah you know comics are uh unsurprisingly i'm gonna make this co- uh comparison but comics tend to be like wrestling in a in that way where yeah. you know if you've got a character that you're bringing in really hot and you're bringing them in mm-hmm. specifically i mean it works it works in movies too like like think about rocky three right yeah you got clubber lang who is yeah. the greatest boxer in the world Second only to Rocky, and he's this big mean machine, and he destroys Rocky, and then Rocky obviously comes back and he beats clever Lang and then, in the universe of Rocky, clever Lang just disappears, and I think yeah. you that you run into that problem when you have these characters who are brought in for a very specific purpose, like mm-hmm. y- you now have to figure out what to do with them next, and when their whole purpose was you, you know they, they've they've managed to figure out to a certain extent i what to do with Bane here and there he's never been super yeah. consistent but Bane's whole thing was he's there to break Batman's back and then once you resolve that mm-hmm. story it's like well okay I mean yeah I guess we Man, can do some other stuff I want for to him.
1: see Creed now I want to see Creed where uh Mr. T where Creed fights Bane <laughs> <laughs> where Mr. T trains Creed
0: yeah I you know it's one of those things, I was thinking about that when the when the new Creed movie got announced and they were talking about it yeah. I was like, well, I mean, they haven't they've never touched on what happened to Clubber Lang, but then I'm like, I, is that yeah. that's just too contrived at that point. I mean, they've already I done know. Drago. Right. Drago at least thematically makes sense to touch on mm-hmm. because he obviously killed yeah. Apollo. But like yeah. if you're bringing back Clubber Lang just for the hell of it, now you're entering like Star Wars territory.
1: Yeah, but at this point though why not? I'd see it. I get excited about that. Uh, you know, you don't have to do anything really bad. Like um, you thought Apollo was your father. It's actually Clever Lang. <laughs> they, both, they both banged your mom at the same time that one night.
0: <laughs> that would be awesome. quite. That would be quite a turn.
1: Yes. <clears throat> also, Apollo totally stabbed Rocky in the back because he was having three ways with Clever Lang.
0: Right. Yes. Anyway, how much is, isn't a good idea? How much is the license for the Rocky? Universe. Maybe that should be the next book you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's funny. Um so uh what was your you would you would redesign the T's? Is that what you were saying? I would draw them all as Azraels just to imply that there
1: was this really cool bunch of episodes that we never saw. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Where Azrael was a character, he was a thing, he retired. Whatever. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um yeah, I looked them up very or- briefly. It does not seem like they are really based on anything specific right so you said draw joker's body in the cave oh yeah i figured that would be yours um i may have said this in the last season i don't remember but i just i feel like the jokers need a redesign the the gang they're they're all fairly bland looking i mean i get you get the point across where they do the clown thing but they're not super interesting yeah um so maybe maybe i would do that although when I was in uh, New York, uh, I got a commission to do this character, Marshall Law. He's a British character who was drawn by Kevin O'Neill, the guy who did uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah. And, uh, man, he was a tough character to draw, not only because Kevin O'Neill has a very distinctive style, but uh, he's got so much shit on him. Like, he, like his costume right. is insane. And as I was drawing it, it took me like two hours to draw the damn thing. And I was thinking, how do you do this panel to panel across 22 pages of comics? He's got so much shit all over him. He's got words on him. He's got straps and stuff and like little tiny chains and big chains and badges and shit. (laughs) And it's like, I don't know. I I understand. I mean, (laughs) I understand why all of the early superhero costumes are just like spandex because this shit yeah. takes forever to draw and i don't know how people i have a lot of sympathy for people now drawing superhero comics because the the movie designs and stuff have started to creep in and those things can be so complex that you're yeah. just you're spending your whole day just rendering like pouches and shit or like seams seams and textures that just feel like it takes forever.
1: Yeah, like to render iron man now you need like a a degree in uh, engineering or something right yeah um yeah, or I honestly hate to say it, but if you're gonna go digital, Iron Man makes sense because you just move the robot around in space and then just you know paste him where you need him and then render i mean that sucks like I don't want to see that kind of yeah. Iron man, but he's so complicated now that I can see
0: why people would have the impulse honestly, play. the one that's the thing that stands out to me a lot mm-hmm. is actually boots because I think about like. Captain America, when they designed Captain America, he's got these big, red, weird, floppy, like, swashbuckler boots, right? Uh Easy to draw, for the most part. Kind of interesting to look at, a little bit different. And now, if you're going to draw Captain America, you need to draw, like, military-accurate tactical boots with every eyelet in the right place. And the way (laughs) that the the, the sole of the boot is split up for the treads and stuff needs to be on point. And it's just like, yeah. that's like a whole day just rendering boots.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you need to, if you're going to draw in a clean style where everything is rendered carefully and accurately, then you're sort of screwing yourself, you know? Yeah. Whereas yeah. if if you're a Jim Mafood, if you're someone who draws looser, um, maybe even like me, you can get away with like scribbling in what looks like a gun, scribbling in what looks like a pouch. You know, like Mignola's right, right. style is set up to sort of um, dumb all that stuff down in a good way so it still reads it's like oh yeah that's that's captain america's boot and it looks good looks military accurate but you know the whole
0: vision of the book
1: is sort of a little twisted so kind of works you know yeah
0: what i'm saying is i understand why they stopped drawing feet in the 90s because there was so much pouches and shit on everybody and so many guns by the time you get to the feet you're like i don't want to deal with boots i'm just gonna put some smoke down there and then just call it a day (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's funny i've been loose uh when i draw batman now i've been drawing the same pouches for so long i basically just pencil into some squares where pouches might be mm-hmm. with a colored pencil and then i just grab my um, quill and i start inking so i can tell like oh, this is where the seam is here's where right, the tick right. marks are here's the overlap here's the buckle here's this here's where the knife goes like it's just second nature now like I don't even think about patches. It just comes right out and I just can go straight to inks on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? How how I'll much bet cons- that's what Rob felt did too, back. I mean it, after oh, you yes. do it so often, you're yeah. like, I don't need to draw anatomy. What do the labs look like when they're twisted from this angle? Fuck it, just cover it with pouches. I know how to draw <laughs> pouches.
0: <laughs> how much thought do you put into uh pouch physics? Because anytime that any I have something on a character, yeah. like a like a strap or a pouch or something. I tend yeah. to sometimes get hung up on, like, well, okay, this thing's tight to their body, so if they're moving this way, the the strap or the pouch is going to shift like this, but their leg is in the way, so can the pouch really go there? And then I I do that <laughs> for a while, and then I realize it's a fucking comic book. Just do whatever you want.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Um, I drew the Harley Noir costume. It's this Harley Quinn black-and-white suit that uh, Bruce gave. And it has this uh, off-filter... Uh, Pouch just Mm -hmm. on one side, and it hangs across her abs diagonally. And it looks good if you're looking at it straight on, and if you're looking at it from the side, you know, like it mostly works from most angles. But if you have her, so J. Scott Campbell did a cover of her, and he had her crouched, and her knee was up, so the pouch was bent. And you could tell he was struggling with, like, how the fuck is this thing supposed to stay on her (laughs) body? And I admit, like, I don't know what I would have done either, (laughs) but. I mean, in the end, I love the cover, but I look at the pouch and I'm like, yeah, that would just slide right off her ass. (laughs) It's not a great design. I mean, if it was me, I probably would have changed it for that panel just to fix it. And then hopefully no one would notice. But, you know, Scott's trying to, you know, honor my design. So I'm glad he did it. But it definitely showed the flaw in what I'd I'd come up with.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that stuff is always so interesting. Because, like, I, I know I've talked about this before, but, like, I, I designed uh, this robot suit, like, military suit for the book Redline that I did. And I designed this helmet, and, I'm, and I designed it from the side. And from the side, it looked pretty cool. And then I realized I had to draw it a lot, f- like, dead on f- on, on front, front, front and center. And I was like, this, I don't even know how to do this. it's just It's just really boring looking. And yeah. every time this person moves their head, now I have to figure out how this design i made from the uh yeah. the, the side works in space and yeah it's it, it that stuff that's stuff that that can you, you kind of don't it's not the first yeah. thing in, on in your brain when you're designing things sometimes like oh this looks really cool it's like well what does it look like from a three quarter view and it's like oh i i actually have no idea and now i understand why they do yeah. turnarounds for animation
1: <laughs> yeah you know i um i try to do that stuff very carefully like especially when i'm designing a batmobile Mm. something three-dimensional i go out of my way to make sure it looks good from every angle there's always a a key design feature stands out from every angle like it's super important but then i did jason todd's helmet which only works from the side (laughs) i totally (laughs) forgot to draw it straight on and i mean when it's straight on i can make it work but There's just not a lot to play with there, like, if you have him looking sideways. Yeah. (laughs) he's one of the few instances where I I screwed that up.
0: I noticed, based on the covers for the Red Hood book, I was like, oh, everybody pretty much realized you can only draw this from the side. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's ways to do it from
1: other angles that I had to work to figure it out, though. I had to dig myself out of a design hole. But if you're just a new artist coming to it fresh, you're like, whatever, man, just make this easy on me. right. Drawing it from the side.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh speaking of w- drawing things, I would draw I said I said the goat Joker gang, right? Yeah, that's probably what I would do. That's what started yeah. the rent to begin with. Um yeah. what yeah. would you rate this episode?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. I think a 3 is generous. Yeah. I'm going to go 2 actually cuz I feel like we give out
0: a lot of 3s. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with a 2 cuz it's Okay. It's yeah. like yeah, it's just kind of it's not very spectacular and it yeah. comes close to being one that I would recommend if they had done something with the Joker stuff, like the the possibility of his body being down that hole. But clearly they don't. So, yeah. like I, I, I wouldn't. I, if you were watching through it, I would say you could skip this one easily and not miss anything.
1: Oh, oh yeah, totally.
0: Mm. Well, that's going to do it for Joyride. We're going to take a quick break, and we will come back and talk about Lost.
1: Did you get that? Hello. Uh, uh. Uh, uh, oh, uh, uh, can you hear me?
0: Stop shouting. I can hear you perfectly well. Who? Who's that? Robert Vance is my name. The computer guy? But you're... Dead? Rebooted is more like it. The laser hit downloaded you into my suit's computers. It's a loose fit, but I'm sure I'll grow into it. ah. Uh, uh, uh. Don't even try to resist. The suit's much stronger. Than we are. Terry. Terry. No more trouble than you're worth. You
1: haven't even seen trouble yet.
0: Okay, Lost Soul, written by Stan Berkowitz and another one directed by Butch Lukic. And in this one, Terry must fight the Batsuit when it is taken over by the virtual soul of dead communications tycoon Robert Vance, a man who has literally become a ghost in the machine. Without the aid of his suit, he must save the man's grandson from becoming a vessel for Vance's virtual brain. Mm. Uh, I like this one, man. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised how intrigued I was. Yeah, this one was pretty solid. Um Yeah. Again, it's one that that seems to lean into uh action over story, mm-hmm. but the stuff that's actually going on is is fairly interesting and um you know the thing taking over the bat suit is really fun yeah i I feel yeah, like definitely how do you feel about i I think there's a missed opportunity to either give let Terry wear one of the old bat suits. Or, oh my God! Yes, I was like screaming at the TV. Like, yeah, fucking give him at least give him the old Batmobile. Yeah. Or the other thing I was thinking of is if he went over to the 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 case full of suits and like took something from each uniform.
1: Oh, so like he takes yeah.
0: he takes the Batman yeah. mask and then he takes like I know he doesn't wear a jacket in the in the cartoon, but like if he took Nightwing's jacket and like you know Robin's staff or something, that would have been kind of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Storytelling wise too, it's a big moment. But then he would look like this, like clown Batman,
0: just mismatch
1: work of different colors and
0: suits. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I feel like I feel like putting him in in the old bat suit. I, I guess having him take Nightwing's mask is fun, but it's not as fun as if he, you know, had the the whole suit or something. Yeah, it seems like a missed like, opportunity. Versus,
1: like, Oh, I'd give you a suit, but they're all filled with bullet holes and blah blah blah. It's like you don't have a fresh one that is slightly smaller. I mean, You got everything else in this cave. Yeah, there's... yeah. No... Like, I would have absolutely had Terry put on the old bat costume. I would have had a reason why the flying Batmobile didn't work. You had to use either like one of the old motorcycles or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could. Have, that stuff would have been so fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I. I did like him in the Nightwing mask and Batman's belt. Like I thought that was still a cool look with his hair and his his uh, jacket and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like um, that's probably the the thing that I would have drawn is just him showing up as Batman slash Nightwing, but that I would have given him the the old Batmobile as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a couple things that I. Um... You know, I'm always a big fan of, of of if you have futuristic stuff at the beginning of the story, taking it away and having to use the old stuff like that's one of the things I man, I almost fucking stood up and cheered in, in Top Gun because yeah. like that's it's such a it makes such perfect sense to do that in, in yeah. a story when you've got if the whole point of your story is like, oh, we've got this this new technology that works great. Well, then obviously in the climax, you take away the technology and you'd use something older yeah. And so I yeah. didn't the 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 best part about it was I didn't even see it coming. Like it's such an after yeah. an afterthought like throw in line of like, oh yeah, they also have F fourteens. So you don't even <laughs> you, you don't see it coming until it's like, oh shit, now he has to fight the more yeah. advanced future planes in the old F fourteen. Yeah. Of course, it makes perfect sense.
1: Yeah, when I, when they showed the F14, I was like, Tom Cruise is getting in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. But that's that's his Batmobile. He got to get him in that thing. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but I was in this episode specifically, why what was the deal with the door, the Batcave door? Cuz there was yeah. a, it was a blackout so they couldn't use the automated door or something, yeah. and then they're like, "Well, you're going to have to go out the old-fashioned way." And they just cut to a door, and I couldn't figure out what the problem was. Like, can you... Yeah. Do you have to, like... They they
1: linger on it, too. None of the Robins complain. Like, they complain, like, okay, so uh, Terry's going to have to do something really cool and old school. This is going to be awesome. Like, I thought that's when you would see him driving the old Batmobile or the old Bat uh, airplane or whatever. Right, right. But, no. It's just a door that he had to one winch <laughs> yeah it's like you, you, like a
0: drawbridge <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna need to find the keys for this one terry i don't know it's uh, it's, a, it's a weird there's a couple beats yeah. like that that where i think we're supposed to be sort of like jokey technology beats that i didn't think really worked right yeah
1: uh, terry's stuck in the elevator with his girlfriend uh and him knowing about she, she's like Manual elevators? You mean you had to push a button? Like, yeah, there's buttons all over the city that we still have to push. Like, <laughs> she should know what buttons are.
0: And I was trying to figure out: is the elevator voice? Is it like the turbo lift? Is it voice activated? Uh, unclear. Because otherwise, I was thinking, like, well, if there's no buttons, how do you? How does it know what floor to let you off in?
1: I don't know, man. Just it reminded me of the uh, outside elevator from uh, Last Action Hero. Oh yeah, there's a definitely. Like uh, yeah. scene. Yeah. Door glass elevators seem fun, but I don't think I'd ever want to be stuck in one.
0: I one time when I was in New York, I went to a bar, one of those like skyscraper bars in in Forty uh, Second Street or whatever, yeah. on top of like a hotel. And in order to it, get yeah. there, you had to yeah. do an elevator that was one of those ones that's like right in the middle of the building, and it's a glass elevator, so you can see the whole thing. I Got, I've like, been to that time. bar, that restaurant. Yeah, and I know what I, you're talking about. I don't do well with heights. Holy shit! That elevator freaked the shit out. I could, I, I almost couldn't deal with it. Like I, I had to like, yeah. zen myself to someplace yeah. else while that thing was going up. It was, it was rough.
1: Yeah, you're in like a glass tube, in the middle of a building, surrounded like by open air, and you can look down. And you see people way down in the lobby, yeah. turn into ants, and it's going super fast. It skips a lot of floors because it has to get to the top. The uh, restaurant on the top. Used to rotate. I don't think they have it turned on anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. I forget. Yeah, I don't. But, I don't uh, remember it rotating when I was there. But
1: that's where I proposed to my wife. Actually, oh no kidding! Um, yeah, I. Uh, she she totally knew what I was gonna do because out of the blue, I'm like, uh, "Let's go to this really romantic restaurant." because I can't afford.
0: <laughs> well, it's nice to know that you know the uh, <laughs> the large bearded man freaking out on the elevator didn't ruin the night for you. Yeah, we heard this screaming and something about uh, (laughs) something about. He ran, he yelled a whole bunch of wrestling terms I didn't understand. Yeah, and then started saying, like, you know, you're defying God's law by being this high in the air. (laughs) You know, uh, they have skyscrapers where you could, it's a little
1: like, at the top is a little bridge uh, made of glass. in like a half circle, so you can kind of like walk out over. Oh, and yeah. Look down. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I don't fucking see the appeal of that shit. Or no. when you can lean when one of the windows leans out ninety uh, degrees or oh, whatever, yeah, so you can yeah. kind of lean over the abyss.
0: No, thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, my my girlfriend is a lot more um, adventurous with uh, rides and stuff at amusement parks than I am these days. And uh, when she was in las vegas she did the rides on top of the space needle that they have out there and she was she was yeah she was telling me one of the rides this is the entire ride is you get into like a, a a row of seats or whatever like you would on a on a roller coaster and then the thing just tips up and you slide forward and then it just stops you short right at the edge of the space needle and so basically it's 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 what Batman does yeah, it's, it's what Batman does to villains to torture them, basically, where he just hangs them over the edge of a building and then you know, except here you pay for it and you're like, Oh, that was fun, don't, and you just lie to yourself yeah.
1: about it. I just pay someone a hundred dollars to hang me over a building and like pretend to drop me and then punch me a few times and kick my dog and then I don't know, shake me around until I throw up. It doesn't sound fun <laughs> at all. That
0: shit. Do you are you do you like roller coasters? I do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't mind the upside down stuff. I'm not, so I'm not afraid of heights. Like, I was hiking yesterday and I was at the edge of a cliff and it was like a sheer 70 foot straight down drop. You you know, it wasn't like a gradual thing where you would tumble and roll. Like, you would touch air and then you would touch your death at the (laughs) bottom, you know? Um, So I was like, whoa, we're right on the edge of a fucking cliff. It's right out of a movie. I'm fine because I know that rock is not going to crumble, but if I'm standing on top of a building that man built and I don't trust engineers and I'm like, what if this thing fucking crumbles? Like that's, that's where I get this way to heights.
0: That's really interesting because like I would have a lot less, uh, faith in, I've seen movies. I know that people like lean <laughs> over the edge of a cliff and then the edge of the cliff just breaks off. I've seen Wile E. Coyote cartoons. I know how this works. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, I, I, the, even on my porch, on my front porch, I get a little bit hesitant because our porch is really the um yeah, it's the roof but of the it's like the overhang roof so it's not like flat, it's like tipped down a yeah. bit. And the railing is it's an old house, so the railing is definitely not up to code. So the railing comes to about like maybe hip height on me, and every time mm-hmm. I'm out there I'm like all it would take is for me to like lose my footing once and i would just go right over that right. railing
1: you would break it like the bed that i put you in at the cabin yeah
0: well i mean this uh, house has been around for a hundred years so as opposed to that bed that you put together that day so
1: <laughs> that bed was shitty and sorry so some context here i have uh i bought a cabin in new hampshire i had some friends up after a convention it's guest rooms three bathrooms basically whatever. to stress
0: I... test the house <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh i Put Clay in the uh, queen bed, which is big enough for him. Clay's like six five,
0: six three. How much? Uh,
1: six three. Okay. Um, and I put together that morning with Corinne, and I'm like, man, this bed just doesn't seem that well engineered. Like it's put together correctly, but like this thing, there's no way this thing is gonna last a year. Um, so I put the slats down, the thing that's gonna hold the mattress, and like the little dinky uh, feet dangling down. You know, there's just no structural integrity to them at all. So I'm like, well. Maybe once the uh, mattress is on, it'll solidify everything, <laughs> which isn't a thing at all. So that night, uh, Clay's in the room. I'm up in my master bed and I'm going to sleep. And I can hear Clay walking around and I hear him lay down and I hear some kind of creaking. I hear him get up and I hear him pacing a lot. And I'm like, oh, shit, I should warn him about the bed because he might break the bed. And then I fell asleep. Then <laughs> the the morning, I woke up, I looked in your room, and you had broken the bed, and you had just taken the mattress and put it on the floor, which mm-hmm. made me feel really bad. But I felt bad for you, because I know that you go through life, like, I'm really tall, don't make this girl feel uncomfortable, don't get in other people's space, try to leave a little footprint, you know, don't wander onto the roof, I don't want to fall through my own house into my neighbor's, don't break Sean's bed, and here I am making, that must have been, like, your nightmare.
0: I, no, I mean, I, I, I could see shoddy workmanship, you know, just looking at it, but, uh, uh, it was uh, it was the kind of thing where it's like I went in there and I kind of sat down and like I could feel it rocking a bit and like all right something about this isn't right but I'm gonna uh, trust the craftsman on this one and uh, when I got into the bed I didn't even do anything like aggressive like I, I didn't like backdrop onto the bed or something I just got into the bed and then I just rolled yeah. over and then it just like crack and then right. I was like okay well this is fun.
1: I'm going to throw that out and get a different one. I'm going to get a big, like, log cabin, pine now bed, you know, with, like, raw. Yeah, yeah. Next time, next year when you come over, I'll make sure you don't have to sleep on the
0: floor. Yeah, you need to get a bed worthy of Andre the Giant, because clearly that's how I am in your mind. Is
1: <laughs> You are the Andre of our group. Six, A case of wine just to get buzzed. You fall asleep face down in the kitchen, and no one can move
0: you. I lay down plenty of newspaper on the bed before I shit on it. Anyway, uh, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Roll, roller coasters, I uh, I used to love roller coasters. So I went through a really weird phase with roller coasters where I didn't like them because I was afraid of them. And then I started riding them and I really liked them, but I couldn't like the, that first climb mm-hmm. fucking wrecked me. But anything after that, I had no problem with. But that first climb was always really difficult. And then Wait. something clicked. And there was just a period of time where I had no issue whatsoever. Like any fear of height that I had was gone when it came to roller coasters. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped going on roller coasters for like six or seven years. And then when I finally went on another one again, all of that like resistance I had built up to that fear, completely gone. And it was all back to the beginning. And I was like, I can do these as long as I just, you know, keep my eyes shut for the first half of them and like think about... Yeah. very stable thing you know what it is it's the wind it's not the height as much as the wind because when you get mm-hmm. up there and the wind starts blowing really hard all you can think about is like what is actually holding this thing on here is this the we just gonna blow yeah. away is it gonna fall over yeah yeah <clears throat> anyway. yeah i
1: don't know man i i can lake park uh this one in new hampshire it's halfway between us it's uh one of those like 100 year old wooden roller coasters where the lap bar comes down on you and you feel like it's really not doing its job. Like, you know, if you really wanted to squeeze out of it, and commit suicide, you probably could do it. But what the hell, it passed inspection in 1903. So why should you be worried now?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um. And it's the rickety of the wood that, you know, same thing on Coney Island, whatever, Like right? Part of the fear is, is this
0: thing okay to, to keep running? Yeah. You know, you know. O- o- oddly enough, I actually prefer, as far as that stuff goes, I prefer the wooden ones. Because yeah. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe it's because they don't go quite as high as the other ones do. Um, yeah. Or maybe it's because you can generally see the structure better. Yeah. But uh, yeah. like I, 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 really enjoy the wooden ones. They, like if you go, ever go to Hershey Park, have you ever been to Hershey Park? Uh, no,
1: but I've driven by it a whole bunch of times.
0: Yeah, they've got great <laughs> roller coasters there. They've got two really good wooden roller coasters that I highly recommend. Anyway, yeah. back yeah. to Batman. Um, That's right. Really yeah, you know, uh one of the things I really liked about this episode was uh it reminded me of the episode of the real Ghostbusters that I uh feverishly tried to track down as a child back when things were, you know, not on D V D and you just kinda had to hope you would get it if they were playing it on WLVI yeah. fifty six or whatever.
1: And it's ah, the uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the
0: episode that is the direct sequel to the movie where the, uh Peter Venkman is talking to a, um, a reporter, and he tells the story about what happened after they defeated Gozer. And so you wow. see them. They come back to the firehouse all covered in marshmallow, and Janine tells them that their new uniforms arrived. And so you see them at the beginning. They come in. They're all wearing the brown jumpsuits from the movie. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. Janine hands them out their colored uniforms. Uh, Uniforms, yeah, and they put all of the marshmallow cover uniforms in a box, and I think Peter is supposed to do something to like deactivate or neutralize the psychokinetic energy or some shit, which obviously he doesn't do. And mm-hmm. so, those four <laughs> uniforms from the movie all come to life with ghost versions of the Ghostbusters in them, and so they have oh, to cool. they have to fight each other. Uh, yeah, and I always loved that episode because it was the only episode that was like a direct connection to the movie and it was like an origin, and it involved changing uniforms, which is weirdly (laughs) something I love in these things. I'm not really sure why.
1: Yeah. no, You're big into, like, new Star Trek pins and little designs and lapels and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anytime you have a a hero going against a ghost copy of himself in some way, like, Terry fighting the Batman suit was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was. The way he took it down, how it slowly, like, went from being a solid object deflating and it just turns into a piece of tights at the end i thought it was really well animated and yeah some of the action stuff is really uh unique in there
0: yeah i think the Um, the only thing that's that's kind of like keeping this one from being a an all-timer or at least like a five for me from this series is there's not really a ton of story built into it because you've got this really cool setup where it's this yeah. This uh, business guy who preserves his mind in an AI and then decides that he's going to live on by uploading his mm-hmm. brain into the brain of his grandson, yeah. which is pretty cool. Like, that's a pretty cool story. Um, right. But that's kind of it. Like, you don't really get any yeah. sense about what this guy was about or mm-hmm. why he all of a sudden is evil now. Yeah. Um, it's just sort of a a very kind of quick yeah. bullet point kind of thing.
1: I would have made it a two part episode mm-hmm. and I would have the intelligence be Lex Luthor and I would have oh, it. Oh, interesting. In to yeah. old school Batman. Like when he and Superman teamed up, uh, like whatever happened to Lex Luthor. I'm not Sure. But you know, Lex basically kept his consciousness going. He wants to control everything Bruce Wayne has. And he starts by taking like that kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, Kind of like a little bit about what I'm doing now with Batman Beyond and Derek Powers. But yeah, I would definitely make it Lex Luthor, and then throw in some more Superman type Easter eggs, maybe you know, or at least some Easter eggs to Batman's past. When in his company was a rival to LexCorp or something. Yeah, I think that would make this a five.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I think they they probably. I'm assuming they probably didn't do that just because they didn't want to burn off Lex Luthor. Um, yeah. not knowing what yeah. they were going to do and stuff, but but yeah, I think it would be to have Vance be a known character. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. think could have been like even even all it would kind of take really is if you know you had part of the the introduction of Vance where they're they're talking about him dying and like uploading his brain. Have mm-hmm. there be some sort of connection between Vance and Bruce, whether or not they mm-hmm. were like you know rivals or something at the time or or whatever yeah so just to to have a little bit more throughway, yeah. like uh obviously it's not a one-to-one here but um you know you've you've always got the tommy elliott character hush who is mm-hmm. bruce wayne's friend who then becomes very jealous of him right. and all that kind of stuff and, and like that's that's always that's right. always a an easy mm-hmm. character to pull out not specifically hush but like that sort right. of other billionaires jealous of Bruce Wayne.
1: Yeah. Or uh, you could use Hardak from the original animated series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, You could take over the suit and you have the toy maker guy. Uh, Awesome. What do we call him?
0: Oh shit. I don't remember.
1: Uh, Edward Rossum or Rossum something. (laughs) Was it
0: Awesome Carl? Yeah. Awesome Carl. Carl Awesome. Awesome
1: Carl. Who's uh, the toy maker guy from Blade Runner. Yeah. That, you know, kind of looking actor. Have him be like a really, really old man at this point. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> Still hanging around with his little Batmite toys who call him Awesome Carl. <laughs> uh, it could have been a throwback to Hardy, Hardak. I think that would have been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We'd would would... even talk about how Hardak thought he was Batman and Hardak freaked out because he killed someone and batman like he he was designed too well you know that whole thing yes yeah
0: yeah you know i i wonder because like i do think that they are trying to stand on their own with this show as much as possible um yeah and so maybe dipping back into the old batman stuff is not always not what they want to do because they did it a decent amount in season one Um, but they still left room for, like, new stuff, so maybe, you know, maybe they're saving that stuff for for special occasions or or whatever, but...
1: No, I think they should have done it more. I think that it's always
0: gonna put a
1: character over. It's always gonna... Oh, I think so, too. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's... (laughs) I think... It's Things are so different now that, you know, if you were to do this show now, I think if you were to dip back so much that it would feel like okay you're just playing on nostalgia and stuff but at the time you know i as a kid one of the i think personally one of the reasons that i didn't really like batman beyond that much was because it was a lot of stuff that i didn't have any connection to and Mm -hmm. so you know this is a cool story but would i have as as a, a kid liked this more if it was lex Luthor or hardak or something yeah probably
1: yeah Yeah, I think you can give kids who like this show their own Batman and their own villains and their own city that's special, but also connect it to the old Batman. I think you can do both at the same time, but I agree. I mean, a lot of um, uh, fan service, especially these days, audiences are wise, are hip to it, and when they see it coming, they're like, "Uh oh here we go. We're just going to play a nostalgia rather than do a good job creating something new. But they did a good job creating something new. Terry is a cool character with an interesting backstory that's yeah. unique. Um, yeah, I would be, totally be fine with uh, them dipping back into the old stuff. As long as they did it well, of course. Yeah. And I think in a case like this, like Hardak isn't necessarily, it's not like bringing back the Joker true. or going back to your bag of tricks. Hardak's yeah. kind of like a not that well remembered character from two episodes of the original <laughs> series.
0: Um, classic. Yeah, I, I take your point. Classic Batman villain Hardak, who only appears in the the cartoon and nowhere else. That's yeah. not that's Has not there true. ever been a Hardak versus Brainiac? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Because I, I, I don't know if Hardak really gets a lot of play. I feel like yeah. he—he's probably it has shown up once or twice in the comics, but I don't—I don't know if it's ever been in the main continuity or anything. But yeah, Hardac and uh, Brainiac, shit. yeah. Do they fight? Do they make love? Who's to say? Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah, I think you gotta you gotta give it the the hard time juice. No shit, I'm fucking up a wrestling <laughs> phrase. <laughs> shit.
0: Hard style
1: juice thank you yes what did i say hard, hard time shoes.
0: <laughs> yeah, i like mine better yeah yeah uh that'll be the 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 jail the the prison version um yeah i think i think batman beyond does a good job of of uh i th- uh, yeah what i was gonna say is um i think generally you get a lot more of a pass with that referential stuff if you do a good job setting up your thing as its own thing or the new thing as, yeah. as its own thing and yeah. it's it's when you are immediately calling back to that stuff where it it feels kind of yeah. kind of pandering like you know it's funny we're watching uh over on the other podcast we're we're into season we're just about done with season two of voyager mm. and um in the past maybe four or five episodes they have done a lot of name dropping from previous mm-hmm. Star Trek stuff. And yeah. it feels kind of weird because Voyager is not really that much of a name-droppy kind of show up to this point. And then, like, mm-hmm. they mentioned Dr. McCoy. They mentioned Data. Riker literally yeah. shows up for, like, 30 seconds in one episode. And it's, yeah. it's a yeah. little strange because it feels kind of like... I can't tell if they're doing it to just, like, make the world... you know to tie things in and because it's there we can use it or if it is like well nobody's really nobody's really clicking with this show we need to start referencing stuff that people know
1: yeah you can tell they're softly trying to shift voyager a few times during its production you know they're like well maybe we're more of a comedy maybe we're more serious uh i don't know And back then you could get four solid seasons of bad ratings before you actually got canceled oh yeah yeah So that's like, I don't know, 66, 70 episodes? That's a ton of, uh, it's a lot. Uh, It's crazy. I mean, seeing how things come out on Netflix now, and after 90 minutes, they decided, oh, not enough people are engaged. Yeah, it's wild. Cancel it.
0: It is wild. I mean, I I think part of that is just because there is so much stuff. You really got to hit it out of the park from the get go. But it it is crazy to think about how, you know, a show like Sandman, which is a pretty good show. People are like biting their nails, wondering whether or not this is going to get renewed after 12 episodes. And then you've got like fucking Highlander, which I don't think anybody actually watched that was on for seven years. (laughs) Like, I don't even know. are, Are there ratings? Were there ratings for Highlander? It was never on a channel. I always had to like dig for it to find it. Who the hell is watching that show?
1: Yeah, like I don't think they. How did they know how many viewers actually tuned in? Because they can tell now it's data.
0: Well, they had, back then they had the Nielsen ratings, which is they still do now, but I, I don't think is is used quite as right. much. Uh, which was basically like something you had to opt into. I think it was it was essentially like a polling system, where if you were right. a a Nielsen household, you right. uh, logged either um, manually or maybe you had a special thing in your cable box or something that would that would show. Mm-hmm what your hours were but or uh, what shows for that, you were watching
1: before, the, before cable you had antennas and you were basically sure. tuning into a radio frequency and there's no way that for even now terrestrial radio how do you know how many people on the road are actually listening to you they're just tuning into a frequency that you're putting out there Yeah, I don't think there is so, like how do you tell advertisers and you just call people and try to come up with some numbers that you'll, I don't know That's I have no idea question. how they figure that stuff out
0: yeah I have I have no clue how, how they, they yeah. keep track of that stuff
1: you know, sort of not related but kind of um you're you're going through the process of trying to buy a house and you know all that stuff's hard for everyone listening right now i know the housing market sucks but uh you know they didn't have credit ratings until like the late 70s and 80s so mm. our fucking boomer parents had no problem <laughs> getting a loan because there was no way to keep track of how shitty they were with money yeah or how much also debt they
0: had. also houses cost like five thousand dollars
1: and even though their interest rates were much higher you could pay off their house much faster
0: yeah you could you could buy a house and also get a 4 year degree using like one credit yeah. card
1: you know it will be the ultimate payment payback for boomers though i know we uh, boomer calling someone a boomer is just an idiot old person who's fumbling around with technology and is too stupid to understand it it's a pretty good insult when you call someone a boomer right Sure. We're going to be calling people boomers long after boomers are even around. <laughs> like, that's their legacy.
0: That's true. That we're is probably true. We're yes. S-
1: we're still like you're gonna, we're going to we're going to be calling millennials oh, all right, boomer one day. Like yeah. that's the legacy of boomers. Like, sure. They took all the money from us and there were way too many of them and all that shit. But once they're gone, it's like fuck them. We're now using their nickname
0: to make fun of each other. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> mm. Yeah housing
1: yeah. i wonder what kind of shit gen x's are going to give us one day or what i'm going to get someday as a gen x like all right gen xer it's like yeah that doesn't really bother me yeah gen X <laughs> i
0: i'm not a boomer gen x managed to kind of just like keep to themselves for the most part uh yeah you know yeah i don't know. Ooh,
1: we watched beavis and butthead too much who uh grunge mtv watch out but we basically all got jobs and movie economy and we assimilated although you know? i
0: mean <laughs> what what you would constitute as like crazy parents are all gen x age now so i don't know maybe that has something That's to do fair. with it but
1: yeah i'm the last year of gen x so i have barely got in thank god i <laughs> dodged the millennial bullet <laughs> another interesting thing about millennials um is when you say to someone who's a millennial man you don't seem like a millennial usually they go thank you <laughs> if someone said you don't seem like gen x or i'm like okay i don't care and the reason that happens is because millennials are the first generation that was publicly maligned online people making fun of millennials dunking on them in a very public way Mm -hmm. and with millennials being online they could see it they could see no mostly you would shut on younger generations when you were drunk on your porch hanging out with your neighbors but now it was online
0: for gen x to see gen x got the old school treatment where all of their maligning was done in print because there were plenty of like magazine articles and, and all that kind of shit and i mean you know, you got the, yeah. the satanic panic and all that kind of fun stuff aimed at them. So, you know, they had their yeah. they had their own dunkings. But uh, yeah, that's cool. But
1: um, yeah. And but millennials were attacked so much that even millennials were embarrassed by other millennial behavior, you know, when eating tide, <laughs> tide pods and all the kind of bullshit that millennials were recording of themselves. Like, I think other millennials were even uh, embarrassed. So when you say to a millennial, you don't seem like a millennial. They, they seem flattered. Like, even they don't like that word, which I
0: think is interesting. Well, you can trace all that stuff back to the Gen X guys who are recording it uh-huh. and making millions of dollars off it and jackass. So it's all <laughs> cyclical. It all, it all comes from someplace. <laughs>
1: The last bit of this, and then we can go back to Batman, is the, great, <laughs> the greatest generation. You fucking assholes. That's like the first generation you got to name yourself and you called it yourself the greatest. Go fuck you. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> and um, <laughs> before that, what was the generation before the greatest generation? I, is that when we started labeling generations every 15 years as a turnover and we just named these new groups of people? I don't know. I Why don't know did where it that just started. start all of a sudden. I
0: mean, I thought yeah. I I was into the impression that the Greatest Generation thing was was something from a book, like it was a term given them given that era from uh right because it might have been yeah yeah because I mean it was you know the, the, the it's the generation that won World War Two essentially right um so and, you know brought yeah. us back from the depression
1: but before that okay. Before the greatest generation, who came before them? The Cowboys? The Flappers. Uh, The Flapper generation? That wasn't a thing. The Romans? I have no idea how generation labeling started. Um, It might have something to do with sociology and psychology and the uh, progression of those fields. started to crunch data and look at human behavior, and that's when we started this stuff. It might just come from academics.
0: Yeah, I think it's just a desire for whatever reason to need to label yeah. things and put them into boxes right. and when you know that's like that's why i find it all so silly because it's when you start getting out to you know where what your generational label is is defined in the same way that they do like astrological signs where it's like well if you know if you're born from in may of 1980 you're actually a, a a gen xer but if it's in june of 1980 then you're a millennial it's like what the who gives a shit like this is all made up yeah
1: yeah. I have a friend who's 5 years younger and uh, he grew up in northern Maine where his school system was not um, upgraded at all. So he played the same shitty Oregon Trail that I did. Nice. He had the same uh, so he even though he's technically a millennial, he reads like a Gen Xer. You know, he gets all the jokes. Sure, <laughs> he sure. knows all the styles. You know, mullets were still a thing long after they should have been <laughs> where he went to school. So I feel very close to him even though technically he's a millennial. Yeah. Nice.
0: <laughs> Excellent yeah you can you can gift him an n e s cartridge game and he reacts as though you just bought him a car
1: on uh instagram i follow one of those uh retro uh channels or whatever and they'll sh- they'll show like a a portable c d player jammed into a tape deck <laughs> hanging out of a like inside your car like this is how you used to plug in your' like if you know what this is, you're a Gen Xer. Like I don't know why, but I really enjoy those things. Yeah, I saw
0: I saw a video one time. I have to imagine this is fake, but honestly, like that's just how these things work, and it probably isn't fake. Where yeah. um, it was it was younger children, so like kids who were probably like in their early teens, adolescence, yeah. who didn't know what a rotary telephone was for. And like how to use it or what it what to do with it. And that's one of those things yeah. where I, as someone who lived through the the bridge gap between ro- yeah. rotary, touch tone, yeah. and then obviously uh uh cell, I, I'm like, come on, how how do you not how do you how could you possibly not know that? And I'm like, Well, I mean these rotary telephones haven't really existed for thirty years. So I mean, I guess it is yeah. completely yeah. feasible that a younger kid would have no idea what that is the yeah. same way i wouldn't know what you know a betamax player is or a uh a, a, yeah a, a eight track or something
1: yeah it's funny i was thinking eight track too that's something that we just missed um yeah but i never i remember seeing them at flea markets and i knew they were different i couldn't tell you why we upgraded why the cassette tape is better i know there is literally eight tracks inside of those things but I don't know. Is the sound quality any good? Why did we upgrade them like that? I have I, no idea. <laughs> I think
0: I think it's just like anything. The eight track is just really clunky and like big and bulky, whereas the cassette tape holds more songs and it's just sleeker and takes yeah. up less room in a car if you're going to put one in a car. And you know, there, there was yeah. they never had portable eight tracks the way that they did like Walkman and stuff like that. So
1: yeah, <clears throat> I you I know thought I say about when I was.
0: I was just going to say, I say the thing about not knowing how to use a rotary phone being uh, not really believable, but like if you handed me a mini disc player, I'd be like, I don't know what this is. I assume you could figure it out. Yeah, but that, but no. that's equating equating yeah. a mini disc player, which was around for like maybe five years to uh, a rotary telephone, that's which had been around since for like 80 years, probably not a one to oh, one.
1: that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Well, uh, my uh, tattoo, uh, I have a gear shift on my hand and younger people will get, and it's upside down. And my hand is hanging by my side. So I'll go into a gas station and some uh, Gen Z will be working there and he's like, oh, is that Japanese on your hand? It's, it looks like Hanji or something. And I'm yeah. like, no, I turn it over and it's like something 50-50 where they're like, oh, it's a stick shift. They're like, nope, still, still don't know what that is, sir. Please move along.
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say, they look at it and say, is that a rotary telephone?
1: Oh man.
0: I've never seen a rotary telephone tattoo. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good tattoo. Yeah. Like where the, would you put it though? I I don't around know. Your nipple, belly button around your cock. <laughs> that, that would be a great belly button tattoo if if it was just a rotary telephone tile.
1: <laughs> hey, hey. you know. All right, dude you're at the beach you look at your buddy you're like that's
0: bold yeah right. yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's more culturally it would be more culturally relevant to me than whatever that fake tribal thing you have is so <laughs> not you you exactly. that's a general fictional you but
1: <clears throat> um that's funny man what if um there's a secret society of telephone operators that have that tattoo and they're all put out of commission now because you don't really need operators anymore
0: i'd have respect for that
1: yeah. yeah. Like what kind of conspiracy theory would that fit into?
0: Yeah. That's why that's why I'm, gr- grandma only wears a one piece so they can't see her rotary dial telephone tattoo.
1: I remember on rotary uh he, I hated dialing my friends that had zeros in the number cuz it takes so long. <laughs> like <laughs> where it was like one 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 no problem bam i'm in and out of there dialing tens we, fuck you i'm just gonna call someone else we
0: had we had one of each in the house we had a rotary upstairs and a in a touchstone downstairs and i definitely yeah. you are i think you are triggering a memory of me as a child being like who even uses this why would you spend this time to the zero takes so long i could just be i could be pressing the button downstairs and be done with this by now so that's that's the amount of adversity I faced as a child. It's, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. You know, <laughs> I, I got nothing. Yeah. Anyway, moving back to Batman. Um, so uh, this is another episode where 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 Terry straight up just kills somebody at the end of it. If you uh, if you want to call it murder, because I mean, I, I mean, you can yes. get into all sorts of weird ethical science fiction debates over whether or not this ai program is an actual person and does destroying oh, the program yeah. does that count as killing this person because it was his consciousness mm-hmm. that was upgraded uploaded but yeah. either way it doesn't end with him putting yeah. putting vance on a thumb drive and then like throwing him into a a, a a desk drawer somewhere he just kills this guy yeah
1: yeah yeah that's a good point i don't think it's death i uh, i don't know if i like the 2001 when i dies he reverts back to being a child and he starts singing abcs and stuff i don't know if that was something i would have done
0: it's seen are you talking about specifically uh, how you would have handled 2001 A space odyssey or this episode i no, no, no
1: sorry okay. when vance dies
0: he has the baby's voice oh uh, I okay <laughs> i
1: was gonna say that's a watch- hard
0: that's a hard shift sorry it's like you know this episode of batman was okay but what i would have done is i would have taken another swing at this the script for barry lyndon i just don't think it's where it could have been sorry i thought it was clear um (laughs) because if you didn't
1: know that shutting down a computer would resort the computer back to an earlier state then vance turning into a goo goo gaga baby at the end might be confusing to you Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: i don't think that works unless you've seen 2001 or know about programming
0: <laughs> yeah that that seems like the kind of thing that they uh that they probably threw in there because they do it in 2001 it's it's probably just a reference that they threw in for their own shits and giggles yeah
1: yeah but no i mean i don't i hadn't seen 2001 back then and i was you know prime age for this so i, I think that joke went over most people's heads
0: yeah well i mean so that's Ninety percent of Simpsons jokes, and I like. I learned more That's about fair. Citizen Kane from the Simpsons than I did from actually watching Citizen Kane.
1: <laughs> I know. I had a real good impression of who uh, <laughs> a president. Fuck. Um, oh, whatever. The president they always made fun of. Uh... This is killing me right now. Uh, he was impeached. Oh, uh, Nixon? I am not a crook. Nixon. Thank you. Oh, my God. My brain is not working. Yeah. I had a really strong impression of who uh, Nixon was, and I knew he was kind of a shitty person because I watched The Simpsons. Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. He died before I was born. I really had no idea who he was until I started watching The Simpsons. I felt like, oh, our culture as a society, is, uh, as a whole, has decided Nixon was kind of an idiot. And, uh, okay, he's just like the butt of the joke of any bad president joke. You just get to talk about Nixon now.
0: Yeah, yeah. My understanding of Gerald Ford was based entirely on like Dan a- Dan Aykroyd's SNL impression, <laughs> which is a te- yeah. which is not not very good. Although no, yeah. he did. I'm sorry, that was Chevy Chase. Aykroyd did uh, Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, I like the last line when uh, Terry is going to take the night off, and then Bruce says it's only the suit that's out of commission, not Batman. That was good.
1: But then it's like, fuck you. I don't get a night off. Like, I'm fucking tired, dude.
0: I have homework. You're not going to let me wear the old suit, but you're going to tell me I got to go out and fight crime still. Yeah, I think
1: I'm just taking a night off. Sorry. (laughs) I think that's what Terry's line should have been.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I abandoned my girlfriend in a broken elevator. Give me the fucking night off, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, what kind of tr- Terry better be set up with a massive trust fund for what he's doing right now? Like, <laughs> he's not making minimum wage with Bruce Wayne; he's got to be taken care of, right?
0: I assume. I I assume so. Yeah, I assume. Yeah, Bruce is 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 giving him cash under the table or something. <laughs> I don't want to, have to report this to the. I don't want to have
1: to pay taxes on this. <laughs> this said, is going to make
0: ninety nine from Bruce Wayne. This is going to make <laughs> things really complicated for me at the end of the year. So,
1: um, I not cast this check until later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You'll notice it's post dated. Um, what would you uh, what you want to draw on this one?
1: Uh, I would draw Terry in his night wing mask yeah uh and his outfit it's a bat belt but i'd
0: also have him show up in the old batmobile yeah
1: or a bat bat cycle
0: yeah that's cool <laughs> i actually think i might um, want to draw the fight with the suit terry fighting the suit because i feel like you could yeah. do some cool like terminator stuff with that where like you know he smashes the head open and so you've got like the bat the head of the bat suit just like split in half or something while he's still yeah termin- that'd be pretty fun They could have done a
1: lot with that. Yeah, I like when um, he just wants to drown Terry so that he can have just a dead body inside the suit. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like in my book, um, it's coming out, I have um, in issue seven, Powers is able to take over the suit. So Terry is just stuck inside of it. And Powers warns him, like, if you keep fighting this, I will break you in half backwards. Yeah. So Terry is, like, horrified, and he's forced to uh, fight Bruce. And he's, like flying and he's like, Jesus Christ, please save me, Mr. Wayne. And meanwhile he's kicking Bruce's ass because he's not in control. It's pretty fun. A lot of action in there yeah,
0: in issue that's, seven. That's cool. That's cool.
1: Yeah. When I when I touched on that I'm like, man, I feel like I would I wish I had more space to play with this more, but like all my books, I throw in a lot of ideas and I end up <laughs> I end up feeling very
0: uh impressed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it happens. Uh yeah. <laughs> better to, better to have two uh, too many ideas than not enough, I guess that's fair i mean
1: a lot of people complain that you know comics five bucks it takes me 15 minutes to read and it's just one fight scene and nothing really happens that seems to be what people complain a lot about in comics and with mine people say it takes me twice as long to read it there's a lot of ideas in there and they wish that i had spent more time on smaller ones but it is what it is you know yeah
0: yeah yep um
1: getting a artist to draw inset panels is fucking impossible (laughs) <laughs> uh, this is going to be some insider baseball, but so I write six or seven panel pages and I get away with it. The reason it don't, they don't feel crowded is because I'll take small moments like yeah. the guy hitting button or the guy grabbing doorknob and I'll shrink it down to the size of a stamp. So technically it's a seven panel page, even though it's, uh, sorry, technically it's seven, but even though it only looks like six. Yeah. And those small inset panels are nice little drum beats inside the music of each page, so to speak. And I keep trying to tell artists who are doing white knight stuff like do inset panel, do inset panel, and they don't fucking know what that is. And I'm I'm like, is that a thing that we just don't? Most artists don't do anymore. It's such a clever way to save space on a page.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, um, I had a, a moment like that recently in one of the things that I was writing, where yeah. uh, I wrote, okay, this can be a. I, I had that. That was my way that I vi- envisioned it. it. Was like, okay, I wrote in the thing, small panel. You know, this is mm. someone clicking a button on something. This doesn't need to be a big deal. And then when I saw the page, that panel was like one of the biggest panels on the page. And I was like, what? And my, my note was, I think we can free up some space here if we shrink this panel way down. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it is it is interesting how, I don't know, maybe yeah. it's a, a matter of being clearer with that stuff or what. But you'd think when you say small yeah. panel, you'd get across that it, there should be a small panel. but.
1: Yeah, I get. I, I don't want to have to do layouts for my artists. I think that's insulting, and I don't want to spend the time doing it. But yeah, it's frustrating because I'm like, I know how to make this work. You know, don't like Matteo. Um, I can use him as an example. Uh, he had a hard time understanding inset panels, but he's got his own thing going on. And like most of the stuff I would pitch him, he would knock out of the park. So even though he struggled with uh, inset panels, he still made it work in his own way. Yeah, because he's that talented, and I underestimated how few artists are that good. It's not just like, I mean, we're hiring people that can do splash of pinups and their stuff is really exciting and they have some heat, but when it comes down to it, like, do they have the ability to perform on interiors and actually tell a story? That's the part where I'm always left like, oh yeah, wow. We really don't focus on basics when we teach sequential art anymore. And it, it totally shows yeah. you can absolutely see which artists are trying to think cinematically and be crystal clear in their storytelling. In which artists are like, you know, Michael Bay, where it's like, shot, upshot, three-point perspective, you know, fade, uh, you know, motion blur, blah, 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 like sun coming through the window. Oh, everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. And um, when every panel looks like a pinup, it's like so overwhelming as a reader. You're like, Jesus Christ, just give me clarity. right? Like yeah. Mike Mignola's stuff is so nice to look at. Not because it's punching you in the face, but because he puts the camera like six feet off the ground. It's like... He doesn't do any three-point perspective shots because Mike hates drawing that kind of perspective. He'll tell you himself. <laughs> right. Yeah. He found a way to make boring camera angles exciting because clarity is fun. And when you use so many crazy camera angles in comics, and you lose clarity, the reader's not having a good time anymore. You know. Right. Sorry, yeah. that's my
0: rant. No, no. I mean, it's I. That's that's the name of the game, right? I mean, clarity is yeah. n- number one on the list. Is clarity of what your image is and clarity of the story that you're telling. And you know, moving yeah. moving effectively from panel to panel to tell that story. And I mean, you can have all the flash and sizzle that you in the world if you can't be clear with the 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 story that you're telling, it's not really worth much.
1: Yeah. My uh set of covers for Beyond, I basically use the same template for each one to keep some consistency, and I I treat it like a magazine cover where we're not doing crazy camera angles. It's just head to toe characters perched on some kind of a building or chimney with things going on in the background and even have a a square behind them so that there's a a panel within the the cover just Mm -hmm. to give color something else to play with. Um, And I'm not really sure it works. Like if I could go back and redo some of those things, I would, but I'm committed to it. So now I keep doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know people would look at it and go, oh, that's boring design. Like, right. It is, it's, it's just meant to stand out and be clear on the shelf, um, amongst all the graph right? so it comes out. And I'm not saying each individual cover is crap, but when you look at a comic book shelf with all these different covers on it, it's like a Skittles explosion. Right. It's just like candy. It's like, oh my God. And your eye graduate gravitates towards simple blacks or simple, uh, colors, like a, you know, monochromatic palette or whatever. Right. Um. So that's, yeah, like I know that my covers can be boring and simple, but that's the point. That's what makes them stand out. It's a relief to look at one of my books compared to everything else out there that's trying to compete with each other, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it makes sense if you've got a, a, um, if you get a wall full of books that are the entire color wheel and then there's one book that's just yellow, I mean, your eyes going to be drawn to the, it's the, that's exactly. just how things work. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: Same with a a convention when you have your booth set up. Whatever your banner looks like, make it simple. Make it like a blue square that you can see from a mile away. Whatever you go, with, like, oh man, it's so boring. Why don't you do more stuff? Like I'm telling you, a nice white uh, banner behind me is like a relief to look at compared to all the other candy explosions out there. Right, yeah.
0: You know, that makes a lot more sense to me now that you said that you treat them like magazine covers because it explains why all the issues of White Night have uh, recipe lists on the front and <laughs> yeah. interviews with celebrities. Well,
1: I interview myself at the end of each one. Oh, that's so. true. Yeah.
0: You should start putting it on the cover. <laughs> In an exclusive interview with Sean Murphy at the end of this book. <laughs> a little inset panel yeah. with my face. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, what, oh, would, what would you rate this episode? Uh, I'm going to go four out of five. Yeah, I'm going to give it a four as well. I... Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's worth a four for for the stuff that we've seen in in Batman Beyond. I would say this is a four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do I don't know if this would be a animated series T A S four, but no, uh, but for yeah. Batman Beyond, I think it's a four. I'm I'm really interested to see if my theory about the dialogue is holds any water, um, whether yeah. or not they are just like you know, let's let's get these guys in here, get them out in an hour. Uh, and then spend the rest of the time on on the on the on the visuals.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping um, the character Max adds more to it. I hope that she brings in uh, something that the series needs. Um, you know, having her uh, get involved and in, in knowing Terry's secret, and I think she knows Bruce, who Bruce Wayne is too. Mm-hmm. I forget how deep she's led, she's brought in on this stuff, but I'm looking forward to that because all that stuff is plot it's not just action and uh, we're getting tons of action which is cool but I kind of miss having more plots I'm hoping that Max fixes the the emptiness that uh, I'm feeling with some of these episodes yeah
0: yeah yeah well we will be looking forward to that when we are back next time with coverage of Hidden Agenda and Bloodsport thank you guys for listening to the show thank you Sean thank you and we will see you next time Let's make a dive (laughs) drone!